I was told to write a song about sem life I don't even know where I am They brought me to a basement in the second mic in front of me Now I'm writing a song to Riptide Sam Life Sam Life Can I go home? And that's it? And that's it? Well, that was that's awesome. as far as I got. That was really good. That was really good. Welcome to Sem Life. My name is Caleb Kuster, Stefan, and with me are some of my best friends in the whole world, my co-hosts of this awesome podcast. Matthew Cook. Oh, do, you need, do you want the cord for that? Matthew Cook. Really good. Josh. I'm proud of you. Josh Wayne. Yeah. Cole Schneiders. Oh. <laughs> and... I have a little ditty. <laughs> you ready? I'm ready. Here I sit on a piano bench. There is no piano in front of me. My name is Wilmore. I got a ukulele. Thanks for that, Will. Welcome to Sem Life, for the record, Will. You, you brought a, a host of talents. The whole mood of the show seems to have just really become a lot more musical, which I think really reflects a, a good semester full of fine... Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I think it really uh, represents a, a good semester just full of some really fine art formation. So, glad to have you here. Where are you from? What, what year information are you? Tell us about you a little bit. Um, so, I've lived in Wichita my whole life. Um, I'm, this is my first year at the House of Formation. Just finishing up my first semester. It's been great. And I'm a junior. And how many episodes of Sem Life Podcast have you listened to? And not including this one that you're listening to live as we make it. <laughs> Definitely less than one. <laughs> so you can do the math out there, mathematicians. <laughs> We're not about math here on this show. <laughs> you wouldn't know, but <laughs> no, I would not. <laughs> there it is. Um, this is only the third episode of the semester, which is... Um, sad, but it is what it is, so we have it geared to be a pretty beefy one. We're headed right into finals week, and this is kind of, tomorrow's a sort of dead day. They have Scholars Day in the morning. We don't have any classes or any finals tomorrow, so this is a great night to, to come together and, and knock a little something out. So we're excited to do that and excited that you're on the way with us. If you ever have any questions or comments for the show, you can email them to semlifepodcast at gmail.com, S-E-M-L-Y-F-E podcast at gmail.com and we're going to get started with our first pillar of formation human formation or can we can we get just a a little ditty a little ditty for that <laughs> we are going to talk about house formation <laughs> the human part i kind of got confused again the uh, sorry, human guys. part so uh <laughs> last last month um, we discussed something that's very near and dear to Caleb Kuster Stefan's heart. Walkie talkies. Walkie talkies. Did we talk about walkie talkies? <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> Over. What if I don't want to talk about walkie talkies this week? It's your only form of communication. Um, <laughs> Super embarrassed. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking so about. Really? Can Impulse. you tell us why you wouldn't want to talk about walkie talkies? I'm just curious. I, I, I'm just not sure if Start I remember from the beginning. correctly. So once upon a time, there was a man. He was, he was tall and, and vaguely good-looking, somewhat mysterious. And, and this man 
wanted to wanted to interact with his friends in a more meaningful way. That's going to be a common theme throughout our show today. Is is this man just trying to really find some meaningful connection and communication with his friends? And I thought maybe some walkie-talkies would be a cool, fun way to do that, and we could all talk across campus. And so I bought said walkie-talkies, and I've got them up in my room, and and I don't, and that's it, and that's that, and I don't know why that's relevant to this podcast or why you wanted to tell me about that because now I talk to all my friends on my walkie-talkies. But you don't talk to your friends on your walkie-talkies. No one has walkie-talkies. Either that or you don't have friends. I, I have walkie-talkies. I think it's both. <laughs> uh, I think I have a little song about. <laughs> All right. Cooster Impulse bought a set of walkie-talkies. Allegedly Impulse. He thought he had a lot of friends. If they were friends, they'd have walkie-talkies. That was a terrible idea. No one likes walkie-talkies here. Oh. (laughs) Amen. I don't like that. I'm sorry. I don't like that verse. Speaking of other things we talked about last time, we got to revisit the Rizit, as Caleb Kutcher-Jefferson says. What you got, Matthew Cook? Uh, So we're revisiting a revisit on a revisit, something like that. (laughs) Well, revisit the Rizit is code on this show for let's talk about the thing we talked about talking about last episode. Ah, By talking about it on this episode. I mean, I just kind of mistyped revisit. (laughs) I I just want to say I'm really confused. I feel like there's a lot of tradition here. Well, if you watched, you, you know you know. can't just make a mistake your tradition. Mm, I don't know that's... what you're talking about, Cook. What do you? What's that gross-looking thing you have in front of you right now? Well, so for those of you who may recall, we talked about Lacroix or seltzer water Con and leche. milk. Con it, leche. It's kind of the only thing we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that's all that we can make it on the show. I wouldn't know. <laughs> we have a very good kitchen. <laughs> so I, I brought it up over uh, Thanksgiving break, and uh, someone at the dinner table. Uh, mentioned, well, that's an actual drink. It's called uh, egg cream. So I looked it up, and egg cream is seltzer water, milk, and chocolate syrup. If you wish to make this at home to try it for yourselves, <laughs> three <laughs> tablespoons of chocolate syrup, you know, your Hershey's or your just off-brand will do, one-fourth cup of milk, and then just fill it up with some uh, seltzer water. That's uh, Towards what? It's popular in Eastern so- Europe. Uh, if you want, I can I can play some chords if you want to express <laughs> yourself Western, in a song. That's Western Europe. <laughs> Western Europe. Eastern Europe's like Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Do I look like I'm from there? Yes. <laughs> Czechoslovakia doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> it's the Czech Republic and Slovakia. I'm actually part Czech. And me too. Okay, uh, Czech, so yeah. let me let Mike, me try Czech this. One, let Czech me two. Let me try this this beverage here. It is. It looks. Vaguely like chocolate milk, but with weird bubbles on top. Delicious bubbles. Is that fair? Yeah, that's it. Okay. Okay, so here's the thing. It looks like chocolate milk, and you take a drink expecting it to taste like chocolate milk, and then it doesn't taste anything at all like chocolate milk. That is so strange. I would call it Tootsie Roll soda, maybe. See, all yeah, I got from got here. A Tootsie Roll if taste. you could, if you could take it, which is not a favorite candy of mine to begin oh, with, so Tootsie that Rolls. makes it. I hate <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, right? He just he makes this face of vague because you kind of you take it, you can smell the chocolate, and and I would write a song about it, but I kind of want to forget it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Josh. I kind of like it. <laughs> 
got a kick, huh? It's like it like burns as it goes down your throat. And now it lingers. And I think I think it's the lingering that's the hard part. Yeah. Is it? And maybe that's just the chocolate the chocolate syrup that is in there. But it is as if you took a tootsie roll, put it in a blender with soda water. And pulverize the heck out of it. And it's super it's in good. Your glass. The, it's super the good. initial, like, as soon as it touched my lips, I was like, this is pretty good. That quickly, quickly changed. Right. Like all LaCroix drinks. Well, that's a lie. Because <laughs> LaCroix is objectively good. It's a good, it's a good taste and it's... Good mouth. Well, it's gone now. <sighs> well, that's that. Out of five stars, what do you give it? I give it a two. Two out of five stars. Not literally disgusting, but not something I ever want to taste again. I would give it two and a half just so I can beat Cooster by a half star. <laughs> it's not a good reason. <laughs> I'd say 4.20. 4.20? Mm-hmm. I like the precision. I would okay. agree with the Food Network rating. Oh, oh, this is a Food Network recipe. You didn't tell me that because I have a lot of respect for Food Network. I up it to three stars. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to give it a 3.5, but they they were even more generous than me and gave it a 3.6. A 3.6 out of out of 40 five, stars? Out of 5 stars. Out of only 5 stars over I wonder what their criteria for that is. I think that means really mad, really really bad because we don't do math here. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Anything. Wait, was it out of 10 or out of 5? I was doing it out of five, but who knows what Food Network's up to. They, they pro- it's probably out of grams. <laughs> <laughs> How many stars did you rank oh. this? 3.5 grams. <laughs> what? They used the metric Star. system. <laughs> yeah, I, that metric system, that's tricky. That's tricky. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Tell me about the meme of the month. A cling clang! A cling clang! What is what is what does that mean? A cling a cling clang? Because that's something I've been hearing lately, and so, people are going a cling clang. I'm like, are you a robot? I don't know. So contrary to how Socrates likes his definitions, I'm gonna give you a series of examples because then I want you to develop your own understanding <laughs> because it's really up to you because how you feel. This is because it's really an experiential philosophical yes. experience, and your feelings okay. are most important. <laughs> So if you feel that you're using cling clang right, you're most definitely using the words cling clang right. I don't know. I don't know how um, relativist I want this show to be. Well, it's only, in general. I like to pick and choose what I'm relativist about. Okay, it's really subjective and up to you. That's what a relativist it's all about, would say. It's all about feelings. Let's say you're sitting in a logic class, as many of us, all of us in this room, yeah, all, all are present. taking logic right now. I really, I really enjoy it. And you get your quiz back, and you're like. Whoa, I did really good. So you would then look at that test, analyze it, assess how you feel. If you did well, you'd go, a clang clang. <laughs> Ideally, you, you lead it with the uh, and Not then right. you uh, lean back really uh. far when you say, clang clang. And do you, like, how loud usually? Does it just kind of depend on the, the moment and like the setting? Could it be a really quiet clang clang? Like, a clang clang. Like, As a general rule of thumb, you got to be respectful of those around you and the environment and the situation you're in. Obviously, you shouldn't say that really loud in church. Uh, just be disruptive to everyone. Right. But the louder, the better. Can it be a prayer? <laughs> Only if you say amen after it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, what other situations might we say a cling clang in? Other than, so is it only good things or can, what if like something bad happens? Can you be like, ah, oh, well, cling clang? If you feel that's the proper way to use cling clang. So to me, cling clang just, it just feels good. It's just a good 
thing to say. Like, I don't want to see Kling say Kling Clang when I'm sad or angry or upset. Like, I stub my toe or Cook trips me and I say Kling Clang. That Classic makes it cook. that makes it feel mm-hmm. so bad. But Kling Clang is such a good thing. Like, I, I aced the logic test or I found a hidden cookie behind an empty jar. A Kling Clang. Kling Clang, brother. <laughs> But hmm. <laughs> or we're talking about my favorite word on a podcast. A clink clink clink. Clink clink. Next on on a, on the memes this month, which are really just it seems like our funny things that we start saying in the house and we don't really know why we start saying them. And that seems to be something that happens is if if two or three people who who seem to have that kind of personality start saying them, then we all sort of seem to start. Saying them a clink clang, uh, a clink clang, uh, for instance. Retribution. And I don't know what most of those yeah. are because it seems a lot of these, other than a clink clang, seem to come from the Hennessy house. Whereas yeah. Will and I are both in Borromeo house. Matt, Josh, and Cole are in are in the Hennessy house. And you, something that's been being said over there is is what now, Josh? What what do you got, what do you got for us? Ah. Uh. And it's a it's a little baby, and I'll I'll play the video for us. So this is this is was this a vine? Is is a vine a thing? Is that something the kids are watching? Are vines? It's super a vine, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Does it feel good? Ah, yeah. Okay, okay. Can you tell us what we're seeing? Because I actually didn't see it because you were holding it. So I'm experiencing that as the audience might, and it was very confusing. So that little baby was just asked by his mom, "Does that feel good?" And the baby is. Well, covered in peanut butter from head to toe, <laughs> as 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 the baby's older sister is continually lathering it onto him, and his response, ah, has just been going around the house. Usually, uh, me and Isaac were out um, at side pockets, and every time we hit something in, we looked at each other. And we're like, ah, oh, yeah. ah. <laughs> ah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that one. I don't know if I'm sold on it. It's, it just doesn't have the mouthfeel that a cling clang does. Because well, imagine, spend, spend a week with me and you'll start saying it. And that's one of those mm, things. I think with most of our jokes, I could use both. I think I think they both fit in my vocabulary. A cling clang. What, what about uh, a third? Cling clang. <laughs> do, do you have? You have a th- what? We just created the alpha meme. You start <laughs> with ah, uh, and then a cling clang. Uh, they're literally made for each other i mean Imagine. what were you thinking because i would i would listen to anything other than this right now i'd prefer uh, well I was, I was asking will if he had a uh, a third room or a third spot in his vocab list for retribution that's that's just scary would someone like to explain? Uh, what's, I feel kind of uncomfortable because that's kind of come through the group chat and it's just made it sounds like a veiled threat that's what I feel when somebody types in retribution, and we're all looking at Cole to to explain this, and he's got to look. He, lo- he looks that? like I feel when I see the word retribution. It's but not he's a so lie. eager. It's a, uh, I I really don't know, uh, Tomas Noya. You can look at your handy dandy seminarian poster, which I know you have pulled up right next to you as you enjoy the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tomas Noya. Um, he just started saying retribution. I I don't know why. And I think what it really picked off was when Jesus wrote it in the group chat. Because when Jesus <laughs> says anything or does anything, it picks up like wildfire. Because Jesus is the funniest guy in the house. He really That's is. True. He really is. Amen. Now it's a prayer. Clang <laughs> uh, clang. Ah, clang clang. I have no idea why I'm singing. Cole just said, save me from where I'm at. 
So this is a song transition. And now we are on the next topic. Amen. So uh, in academic for oh before we get to academic formation we got to talk about our pattern recognition class that Will, we oh, have to Will's make. We're very passionate about this pattern. I, it is entirely 100% necessary. I say this as I clench my fingers in the air on both sides, like the, the what, what is that? What's that like? Conductor? Sort of, like as if I'm conducting an orchestra, and all of you need to be conducted to how important this is. Will. Amen. Okay. So I think it's, it's actually a, a Borromeo, <laughs> Hennessy type thing, but... Um, at least I'm very passionate about pattern recognition. We have these two silverware drawers in Borromeo Kitchen, just just two. And there's really two dominant sets of silverware. There's a few odd ones that we put off to the side. And it works great because we have two sets uh, of silverware holders. So you put one set in one and another set in the other drawer. It's not that hard. You just take the, the basket out of the dishwasher with all the clean silverware and you match it with the silverware that's already there because we never use all of it so you literally just look at the silverware that's on the counter you just look at it you see what it looks like you analyze it you see how you feel will come down to cholesterol <laughs> you know i'm sensitive about that so will what you're telling me is when i take the silverware out of the dishwasher just fill up whichever silverware tray is empty first and then move no, on to the no no you you this is a you screwed it up. Yeah, so, and this so, is really the same for all the different dishes in the dishwasher, is that you take it out and you say, hmm, I wonder where this goes. And when you, at that moment, at that moment, your train of thought has a couple of options. One, you can either say, huh, here's an empty spot, and then you're done. That's option A. Option B is you take it and you go, huh, this is similar to these things over here. Maybe it's a black serving spoon. I should put it with the other black plastic utensils. Maybe it's a glass bowl. I'll put that with the other glass bowls on the solid shelf instead of the plastic bowls on the less sturdy shelf. Amen. So what you're telling me is that my two options are to first analyze what I pulled out of the dishwasher and then first set it on the counter and leave it there if I don't know where it goes or to find a new spot where I think it's most convenient. Okay, so that's great until you get to that last step because you should this, the new spot should be where similar things are. So what you're so telling maybe it's me not is exactly so where it goes. Just leave the dishwasher for Cookie to empty. <laughs> Amen. You know, as, as long as Cookie can pass our pattern recognition so test. So there's just there's just two real fundamental rules to this pattern recognition class that you know, I am we'll, going to be developing for everyone to take next semester. Unless they test out of it, I I understand that some of us are better at pattern recognition than others. Uh, it's, a, people, it's about developing the gifts that we have. Yeah, it's it's and pattern recognition them. formation. The eighth pillar. Eleventh. I don't know. I, I gotta stop making pillars of formation. I'm just trying to I'm trying to figure out my own philosophy right now. I can uh, I'm I'm drawing from a lot of different sources and it's not quite consistent yet. But those getting back to those two rules. This is really important to me. Like things go with like things. No one in the if house listens to the podcast. The you are reaching your demographic. Well, this, this is something I think everyone can grow in, okay? I think it's important for human formation just for everyone. I'm learning Aristotle was really big into human formation. I think we all could learn. Like things go with like things. Unlike go things go in designated spots where different things go. Will sing us out of this spot. Yeah, and get us, get us away from pattern recognition. So here's your goal for this song. We start in pattern recognition, <laughs> and we end up 
talking about academic formation and the things that we're reading and what we're writing about and, and things in class that we found interesting or enjoying. Are you up to the challenge? I, ah. I sure can try. Yeah. Ah. Was that good? Was that right? Bah? No. No. I just don't get it. We were talking about pattern recognition. Now we are going to talk about something more cognitive. Academic formation. All those books are around me today. So, uh, two <laughs> books that I've read this semester. I, I put one book on there, but I'm going to have a different book books I'm going to talk about. There's two books. Um, They're There and The Hate You Give are two books that I read. One of them was Goodreads Book of the Year, and the other one was Best New Author Book of the Year. And I read both of them, because you know. Because um, <laughs> you only want to read the good stuff. I only follow people's recommendations. I'm not an independent person. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're still trying to discover our own philosophy. And that's it. That's the whole transition here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're just two books that talked about social issues of African-Americans as well as Native, Native American folks. Um, so it was just really two really good books that I suggest you check out. I still don't know what to do with the things that I've read, but they are really heckin' good. There's there's a whole bunch of books I want to read. <laughs> <laughs> Same. I'm technically still reading Lord of the Rings. <laughs> As in, I I started a year and a half ago. Uh, I thought I thought you were gonna say middle school. <laughs> oh no no not that bad. But I also haven't read any part of it several several months. But that's that's okay. Something that I think would be really cool on this podcast is to go through some of what we're writing about because unlike most other classes that I've taken before philosophy is we have kind of one big term paper project in most of our philosophy type classes where you've spent the last month at least thinking about and researching and reading into kind of this one idea and if you're in trouble like some of the juniors you have two or three of those classes that you're trying to to keep up with so I just want to talk about what's what are some of the paper topics that we're into, because I'm not sure that our audience really knows what it is that seminarians, especially college-level seminarians, before we get into theology and learning more about God and the church and all of that awesome stuff, we're building our foundations. What does that look like? Ah. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. There's three different papers I'm working on. I won't bore you with all of them. Uh, in our class, Saints, Sinners, and Senators, uh, we, I wrote a, uh, my paper is over water rights. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just, the, minute, the minute you started talking about this I just got a little bit confused Because this is a class that's exploring St. Augustine And the city of God And the, the swaths of topics that he's covered in, And ancient Greek and Roman thinkers Cicero and, and Seneca And uh, help me out with Livy. another historian Livy Oh I like Livy and, and out of all the possible aspects of Roman life, why water rights? I got to wonder, because I can't, I literally am going to take a minute. Well. Not quite, a, I'm not in time. Oh. Is this on Spotify? <laughs> yeah, that's enough. I can't think of anything more boring. Zero things more boring can come to mind. Well. So there's several different reasons, you know, as we are a multifaceted species, there's many things within us that drive us forward. One of those 
was I brought up the fact that Roman law covers a lot about water rights. And several people in the class said, you won't. And I said, <laughs> yeah, I was one of them. I said, I remember this very distinctly. Full disclosure. <laughs> and I said, I will. <laughs> I will. And then he did. <laughs> the absolute mad lad went and did it. <laughs> what a unit. And what I an absolute unit. <laughs> How many, ah. how many how many words is this paper that you are dared to write? I, I made it. I, I can't remember the exact words. All I know is I made it two sentences onto the twelfth page. Nice. Some of it was actually very impactful. I I, I was I had a I got very lucky because I found a uh, source written from several professors at a university uh, where they quote Saint Augustine and all of his works and how he talks about the environment and the earth and how we should treat it properly. And so super just went to the bottom of the paper found all the sources he talked about, and it really helped uh, contribute to the paper. Um, but it also was very impactful of, we are supposed to treat this earth with some dignity and respect. And so that's just, yeah. And part of that is the the universal access to water to water from, yeah. from everybody, regardless of, of who they are, regardless of whether they are a citizen of the Roman Empire or, or not. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was really interesting because a lot of Roman law uh, went just as far as Augustine, or in some aspects even farther than Augustine may have even, very, very minute and specific details you'd have to get, that I got into, but that some of Roman law would have taken it farther, a little bit farther than Augustine would. Modern ethical theory would match up with what, it would go further than Roman law would. Right. But, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting. That's then, great. Then I compared it with a modern project going on in Wichita, the Equus Waterbed Project, but I won't bore you with that. <laughs> is, it, is it as boring as it sounds? Uh, it's just literally five pages of scientific studies and redirecting water uh okay. it's so, utterly uh, fascinating is I, what i heard what, what what else what are other people writing i i don't get to write a cool long-term philosophy paper but in not yet not yet not yet yeah but uh i have been able to take college writing too um and so in that class we read the odyssey and then the teacher basically said go wild <laughs> and let us <laughs> do whatever we want to write our final paper about <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't have to be like super literary she or? wants it to be linked to the odyssey in some way if we can argue that it's been linked to the odyssey she'll accept it and take it <laughs> so, so like could it could a a paper that's primarily about a any other seafaring voyage suffice for like if i wanted to talk about the titanic could that be linked to the odyssey a guy wrote a paper about halloween <laughs> sorry sorry it sounds like a fun assignment tell me about your paper i kind of i linked it back to seminary as i am liable to do um so in the catholic diocese of wichita we are stewardship diocese um and the first pillar of stewardship as i found out this year is hospitality and right within the odyssey hospitality is a major theme so Whenever Odysseus washes up on the shore somewhere, he either gets treated to a nice meal or he becomes the nice meal. Um, <laughs> it's true, though. So I, I basically read through the Odyssey as well as a bunch of literary work around the Odyssey that basically showed that the Odyssey acted as a virtue code for hospitality within antiquity, especially around the Mediterranean. And... If you know a lot about the Mediterranean as a Catholic, that's kind of where we got started. Um, yeah. <laughs> so hospitality is a huge thing within the early Christian church, just in the basic hospitality of letting someone that you don't know into your house and just feeding them and taking care of them. So that's you know the basic quality of um, it's a, it was a, a Greek virtue to 
let anyone into your home that needed a place to stay and food to eat for the night. And it still kind of is in rural Greece, which I was reading about, which is super interesting. Oh, that is wild. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of a cool topic to get to talk about um, the Odyssey as well as modern day. The fact that it's still being practiced in pretty practical ways in the Diocese of Wichita. So it's a fun paper to write. And I wonder how tied in that is to like natural law. Just the idea of these rando pagans, mm-hmm. right, had this inborn sense of this is what is right and, and this is what yeah. we ought to do is, is be kind to each other, even if we don't know them, have no cultural, political ties to them. Yeah. That's interesting. That's yeah. a cool topic. Mine was about, for the St. Sinners and Senators class, was about human freedom and what Augustine and Cicero kind of thought about it. It's about zooming in to what does freedom mean? Is that the, uh, I think a lot today we get caught up in it's this ability to do whatever we want with no restrictions. So as soon as you start putting restrictions on what I'm able to do or not do, that's where I become more or less free. America. Exactly. (laughs) That's not really how Augustine sees freedom. And I don't think that's how the ancient Greeks see freedom or even really how Cicero saw freedom. The trouble is, Augustine also rightly sees that humans are created by God in a specific way with a specific nature. And because he's God and he created us, he always knows what we will choose and what we will do. So there's this aspect of like foreknowing, the knowing in an instant in which God experiences all of of history and time. God knows. But yet we still have free choice. Yeah. And every and that's further confused by the fact that Augustine rightly believes that every time we do something good, we choose to do a good thing that is inspired by grace. Grace is what allows us and prompts us, grace from God prompts us to do that good action. So just really wrestling with what does it mean to be a free person mm-hmm. while also working completely and dependently on the framework that we find ourselves in with God. It was a wild ride because I realized six hours to deadline that there was a <laughs> a work from Augustine in the retractions, a part of the retractions that did not support my thesis <laughs> at all. <laughs> and so then I'm just pacing up in the hall going, Augustine! <laughs> and it turned into kind of a, th- a footnote. Like I had to address it because it was the teacher that pointed it out to me. So I had to address it and... And put it in there, so it ended kind of lamely. But it was it was an it was a really wild ride, and I learned a lot about what it means to be free and some yeah. different different aspects of, of playing with that. Yeah, I read Boethius a bit this semester for Intro to Philosophy, yeah. and he yeah. wrestles with the idea of freedom. And he's I, I accepted everything he said. It was awesome about talking about how free will is God is just in the moment and He sees it, but seeing it doesn't make you do it. But then someone added, hey, but God's grace lets you do good things. And so I'm still kind of messed up on it, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, the, and, and it's, there's, there's never a good solution. We're like, oh, yeah, we get it. It's an act of trust that God is able to allow us to make free choices and free decision. Our actions matter and what we choose to do matters. But all the good things in life are definitely and totally only because God allows them to be there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's beautiful and crazy. Well, God allows them to be there, but we don't have to cooperate with his grace. And that might be where the free will. But if we got into a really long discussion about this, it would be right. and really long. There, there's something in there, and Augustine, I don't think, would agree with all of that. Which is... But yeah. That's, the, that's really the underlying thing here, is that these church fathers, 
were complicated, sometimes flawed individuals and human beings. And before seminary, I didn't really have a grasp on that. It's just, mm-hmm. oh, they're the saints. It's Augustine and Thomas Aquinas and St. Ambrose. Well, they're complicated. And <laughs> no. it, it takes some study. And it takes some thinking. And it's not always straightforward. Yeah, I've been reading a bit of Origin just here and there. Yeah, 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 yeah. he shows up. And then Dr. Umbarger, my, one of the theology teachers, he kind of... He was talking about origin. He said, yeah, he says some good stuff, but be wary that he just says a lot of heresies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, watch out. <laughs> so it's like, he's like, just make sure you're reconciling. What? There's a reason he's not a saint. <laughs> his, his bad take to good take ratio wasn't always stellar. <laughs> you know, it's just good to know. It's like these early church fathers had a lot of wrestling to do. And a lot of times we still got to wrestle with it ourselves. Amen. Yeah. yeah. I have, I'd like to talk about my song, but I'll preface it. I wrote a, a paper for that same class that Cook and Kuster were talking about, Saints, Senators, and Senators, wonderful class. Um, mine was comparing um, Roman uh, Stoicism and Augustinian ideas of emotion and which provides a better framework for um, using emotion and how you ought to feel um, in everyday life. But I have a little song. Wait, before, before will, will I know the chords? Oh, yeah. Okay, because I only know about three chords. No, I've been sticking just to these three chords just for okay. you, Kuster. I appreciate that. Maybe maybe someday we'll, uh, we'll change things up a bit. I'm nervous about that, but let's, let's go on. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> Stoic and Roman, Augustinian emotion. Stoics and Augustine didn't agree Stoics believed in apathia Augustine thought that idea was trash But what's apathia? (laughs) It really sucks Uh, Apathia You, you can just, me, I'll just. You want me to just keep on going? You just, you just talk it. You just talk it. Yeah, I'll just talk, talk it. I'll just okay, I can do that. So, apathia is a Latin word, and it it comes. We get the word apathy from it, which is a a lack of feeling, a lack of emotion, um, from that. The uh, Stoic idea is a little bit different. The apathia um, ends up amounting to that, but the Stoic idea was that you had um, passions or how Cicero, I believe, referred to them as uh, disturbances, and those are the emotions you generally feel. Um, And it's important to understand we're differentiating between feelings and emotions. Emotions is something you have to choose. So you might initially feel angry at an injustice, Um, your face might get red, you might feel that rage bubbling up, but then you have to choose to act on it. At that point, it becomes an emotion. So they were all about what you ought to uh, have an emotion. And they have those passions, which are the for the average person, but the person who embodies all Stoic ideas would have um, what was referred to as upathiae, um, or basically good emotions. Um, and they were just correctly ordered uh, feelings according to the Stoic line of thought. And wrap it up and wrap it up. Here's the last chord. And it means no emotions. <laughs> Uh, most likely is kind of what it what it amounts to. No one could ever be a Stoic sage. But Augustine said that was trash, and you ought to uh, have good emotions. So he just says there's good and a bad feelings. 
good and bad emotions, and you ought to choose good emotions when it when it helps you get closer to God and not be angry. So if there's a such thing as righteous anger, but if your anger is not righteous and it's not leading you others to heaven, then you should not feel that way. You should choose otherwise. And that's basically yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah. Which is pretty, that's where kind of Aquinas begins the conversation of the, of the nature of emotions and how, how you use them and seeing their usefulness to you, but realizing and not giving them control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Cookie's on the floor right now. And I, and I don't know, is he asleep? Is he, is he bored by this academic rigor of a conversation? Is it, did it, is it too much for him? Nah. Is he sleepy? <laughs> I feel like switching to baby talk isn't ideal for it's academic. A it's a I think I understand more when he just speaks like a baby. It's nah. weird. It's more of a feeling knowing. You just, it's an experiential communication. I, I intuit it. Super getting, uh, you know, you, you, during those final weeks, you got to get those power naps in. So I'm just starting, starting early. Amen. <laughs> Maybe now it's a prayer. Power Maybe the naps. podcast isn't the best time. To hey, I took a nap for at least 30 minutes today. Mine was minimum two hours today. <laughs> what I think we're going to do is we've got so much to talk about here that we're going to pause that right here and we're going to save the rest of this for next week so i'm going to i'm going to post this as soon as as soon as it's done and ready and then we're going to pick up from here next week so until then thank you for listening we love you we're praying for you you can email the show if you want to any questions or comments at simlifepodcast at gmail.com which is spelled s-e-m-l-y-f-e-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com. I'm trying to figure out how you would describe the spelling of the at symbol, but I think it's just at. Sh- huh? Shift two. I think uh, you did a good job. A in a circle. <laughs> I thought ambersand, but that's not it. That's, the, um, no, that's a, but yeah. you didn't pick up your pen to write up the next letter. <laughs> a slightly communist A. Take that as you will. <laughs> and, on, and on that note, we'll see you guys all next week with whatever we're talking about next. Praise be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. forever.